this morning. Let's just um, let's just close our eyes. Let's just pray as we gather around your word. So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us this morning. And God, this morning I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just come. You would just meet us in the silence. You just speak to our hearts. You just draw us to yourself. And we just ask that you would just have your way. We ask that you open up the eyes of our understanding as we work through your word and give us insight, Lord, into where we're at and how we can grow in you. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last few years have been really difficult for a lot of people. People feel worn out, anxious, fearful. Some feel depressed. Uh, Some of our people have lost jobs. There's been great pressure on relationships. And uh, a lot of people throughout the nation uh, have really lost their fervency uh, for the Lord. Um, People have experienced, I think, too many setbacks and not enough wins. And so... Right here, right now, there's a lot of people who are just wondering what their future, what their future holds. But you know, there's always there's two words in the Word of God that give us great encouragement, and those two words are "but God." But God, God always has an answer for us and encouragement for us from His Word. So this morning we're going to turn to Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. And um, the book of Ezekiel is an absolutely fa- fascinating book, uh, and it's got particular relevance uh, to us today. Uh, Ezekiel was a priest in Judah who was taken captive to Babylon by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his second invasion of Judah. And five years after his captivity, at a really, really low point in Ezekiel's life, Ezekiel, who was 30 years old at the time, was called by God to be a prophetic voice to the nation of exiles in Babylon. In the book of Ezekiel, it's basically split up into three sections. The first section um, deals with uh, exposing Israel's sins. Uh, The next little section, uh, it talks about uh, the consequences of the punishment for that sin. But the third section is about restoration. So we're going to uh, start in at Ezekiel 37, and starting at verse 1. Guys, if you want to just uh, let that run, that'll be fantastic. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then in, um, in verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. What a great prophetic word. Uh, that is, uh, when the hand of the Lord is on us, he can take us into valley situations and he can show us his plans. And Ezekiel's valley is one big graveyard filled with bones. Not people who had just died. Not rotting corpse, corpses uh, that had been there for some time, but very, very dry bones. I mean, this is the kind of scene that uh, CSI guys would absolutely love. You know, they would be able to investigate that till... <laughs> yeah. The bones are very dry because they've been dead for a long time. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now, in the Word of God, uh, God never asks a question because... He doesn't know the answer. God knows the answer. Uh, but he always asks the question when he wants us to think about the possibilities. Uh, can these bones live? In the natural, no. Absolutely no way can these bones live. But in God, nothing is impossible because God is the God of the valley and the God of the impossible. Uh, when Abraham's wife Sarah was 90 years old, and God had told her that she would bear a son. He reminded her in Genesis 18, verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? He said to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The angel Gabriel reminded Mary in Luke chapter 1, With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 19, With God, all things are possible. With God. There is no such thing as a hopeless case. Uh, with God, there are no cases that are too hard for him. Uh, with God, there is no situation that we face that comes as a surprise to him. With God, he is the God of the impossible. And the text tells us 
that the graveyard of dry bones is firstly a picture of Israel. Israel was dead to God, was cut off from his plans and his promises, and cut off from the purposes uh, for their lives and their nation. But also, that graveyard of dry bones is a prophetic picture of the condition of our nation. Our friends, our workmates that are without God are dry because every person without Christ is as dead as the bones in that valley. The sad thing is that most don't even know their deadness. They don't even know their condition. Can these bones live? Bones that have been scattered and scarred by sin and ravaged by sinful practices? Through Jesus Christ they can. Because nothing is impossible to God. Uh, Every Wednesday morning for the last 22 years, I've been joining with a small group of other pastors and we've been praying for revival. Revival in our nation, revival in our city. Who knows that the problems that we see would be swept into insignificance if God was to move by the power of his Holy Spirit. We need a move of God in our nation. Uh, Jesus is the master of graveyards. And he's also the master of your graveyard because the graveyard of dry bones also speaks to us of all of us that are dry and need to be renewed by the Spirit of God. Amen? Yeah. In our lives, we see many graveyards, graveyards of sin, graveyards of finance, graveyards of relationships. Uh, Some of you might be experiencing a real dryness in your marriage. Uh, But remember, God sees not just our condition, but he sees the possibilities in him. Uh, God sees not just where we are and what we are facing right now, but God sees what we can become as we partner uh, with him. So how can we break out of our dry condition and come into all that God has for us? Well, first of all, we've got to recognize our condition. You know, Jesus said it's not the well who need a physician, but the sick. And the first stage to getting healed is to recognize that we're sick. Uh, One of the problems that um, Pastor Russell had over the last few years is that they didn't quite know what was causing all the problems in his life. But once they found what the situation was, then they could treat it. And the same with us. If we don't recognize that we're dry, if we don't recognize that we've got issues, then we're not going to go to the great physician, Jesus Christ, for answers. We've got to recognize them first. When the hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel, the Spirit of God opened his eyes and showed him the valley of dry bones. And we need the Holy Spirit, to open our spiritual eyes so that we can recognize the condition of our hearts and our need for more of Jesus in our lives. It's not enough to be part of a church experiencing renewal or blessing. It's not enough 
for others around about us to experience the breakthrough. We need to experience it for ourselves. Each one of us need to have a fresh manifestation of Jesus in our lives, especially this next generation. You know, it's not enough for them to sit in church and hear the wonders of the charismatic renewal, to hear what God did in us and through us 30 years ago or 40 years ago or 50 years ago. It's not enough for them just to get hearsay. They have to experience God for themselves. They have to experience the fire of God for themselves. They have to experience the moving of God for themselves in their situation. And that only comes when they begin to hunger and thirst for more of God. We need to never be satisfied with where we're at in God. Before we can come into a place of blessing and fruitfulness, we've got to recognize the dry bones in our lives and the graveyards of our situations and respond by crying out to Jesus, the God of the impossible, to breathe new life into us. It's got to be your heart cry. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke to him with an audible voice from the outside, very clear. And yet some people said it thundered. They didn't hear the voice of God in that situation. And we each need to be someone who will cry out to God for our situation. So recognize what God is doing and wanting to do in our lives and respond to that. And so what I want to do this morning is give you a few things that I believe God is doing and what God is wanting to do. And I want you to be able to latch onto these and say, hey, God, please do this in my life. Okay, first of all, uh, what's God doing and wanting to do is restoring and rebuilding dry and broken people. The bones on the floor of the valley look dry. They look dead. They look disjointed. The people who were once were a mighty army had lost hope. And that's many people, uh, especially over these last couple of years. Uh, whether your wounds and your dryness have come in battling for the Lord, uh, whether there are hurts that have come to your life as a result of situations before you were a Christian, uh, whether the hurts or bitternesses or whatever have uh, been a result of your own making, you're reaping what you're sowing, whether the hurts have been as a result of the enemy attacking you. God is saying, hear the word of the Lord. I want to pour my spirit out upon you and cause you to be made whole again. Uh, Ezekiel 37.11, you say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves, bring you up from them, and I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. But in the process of restoration, God is allowing a shaking to take place, both in our lives and in the church of New Zealand. 
How many know there's a real shaking going on in the church at the moment? Not all the shaking is God shaking. Some is us sowing and reaping. Some is the enemy. But God is allowing it to take place because God's heart is to restore his people and create a mighty end-time army, his church. And that can't happen if we are following other desires, following other gods, following other plans and purposes other than the God's plans for our lives. So there's going to be a stripping back to bare bones in a lot of people. But it's done because God wants to see and rebuild our lives. Secondly, God is wanting to rebuild and restore a hunger and a thirst for his word and his voice. Time and time and time again, we read in the book of Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came unto me. In fact, you see it about 49 times, I think, in that book alone. Uh, We need to be a people who can hear God's voice and know how to act. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We need to know what God is saying. Psalm 81 says, If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would allow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? There is power in the word of God. God's word exposes death in your life, but brings life. The word is described in a number of ways. It's described as a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It's described as a plumb line. It's something that we can measure ourselves by. Uh, It's described as being sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets into the inside. It's God's word that breaks chains of bondage and sets captives free. If you're not in the habit of reading the word of God before you go to bed, I want to encourage you. That's a great discipline to put into place, and it'll help to break stuff. The Word of God. There's power in the Word of God. Christian, when you hear the Word of God, you should be able to speak to situations of dryness and hopelessness and say, hear the Word of the Lord and see the Holy Spirit respond and bring renewal. Because the Word of God should come not only to us, but it should flow through us into all the situations that are round about us. Get into the Word of God. Begin to read it regularly, and the Word of God will get into you and flow through you. Thirdly, God's wanting to restore fruitfulness. And I don't want to spend time on that this morning, but basically three areas of fruitfulness the Bible mentions. He mentions conversations, character, and conversions. Uh, every one of us need to be fruitful in each of these areas. God's wanting to restore hope and vision. If we're going to become everything that God has planned and purposed, then we need to be transformed in the way we think and the way we view life and the way we see situations. Instead of viewing life through the filter of our hurts, we need to see things through the eye of the Spirit. Instead of responding through the flesh, we need to respond to 
circumstances in a way that affirms and partners with God and what he's wanting to do. We need to be able to speak and declare the word of the Lord into our valley situations. Verse 4 of Ezekiel 37, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel stopped talking about dry bones and began to talk to the dry bones. And a key to dry bones coming to life was speaking by the Spirit to those bones. And I want to encourage you this morning to choose to declare the promises of God over your problems. Your words activate what God has spoken. It's not to deny the problems that you're going through, but it's to recognize what God's word says are answers to those problems. Prophesy. My marriage is coming back together. My family is coming back together. My kids are coming back to the Lord. My finances are getting sorted. My health is coming back together. Keep fighting. Keep declaring God's word and see what God will do. Acts 16.31. Here's a few verses that uh, you can uh, rely on. Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your household. How many people here this morning have got family members that aren't saved? Yeah. That verse declares that God doesn't want just you to be saved. He wants your whole household. Begin to speak it. Begin to speak it. Romans 8.37, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Jesus Christ, we can be more than conquerors in situations. You might not feel like a conqueror this morning. You might feel as if you've been conquered. (laughs) But the word says that in Jesus Christ, that's not our final destination. That we can be more than conquerors. Psalm 103, verse 3, forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases. Wow. As I said last week, sometimes when you've been sick and you're praying and you don't seem to be getting the answers, it's a real test of faith. But declare God's word. God, you sent Jesus to pay for my healing and my wholeness. And I speak that over my life now. I speak wholeness. I speak healing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, quickening my body. So Holy Spirit, have your good way in my life. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a great verse to preach to yourself. But it's actually a verse that comes with conditions. And the Apostle Paul speaks that to the Macedonians, who were fantastic givers. Uh, You can read about them in Corinthians, how they gave to missions programs. And as a result of their generosity, uh, Paul says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. That's everything. The bad things that happen because we're living in a world falling apart, the bad things that are happening because the enemy is trying to pull you down, 
the bad things that are happening because you've done some dumb things and you're reaping what you've been sowing. All of those things, God says, he can turn them for good in your life if you give them over to him. You need to confess that. Isaiah 41 verse 10. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, when you speak that verse out, you remind yourself that God is with you. He's with you. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil because God is with you. That means that you can get through any situation, any circumstances. And as I spoke on last week, because he gives us strength. But God is wanting to restore one other area. He's wanting to restore our focus. Ezekiel 37 verse 12 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. We need a restoration of the knowledge of God and a fresh encounter with God. We need to get our focus right because once we get our focus right, everything else will flow from that. The focus of the Latter-day Army of God, the focus of his church, will not be on facilities and programs. It won't be on church structure, although structure is necessary. So always need a wineskin for the new wine. The focus of the army is not going to be on music, although this will be a vehicle for the expression of the heart of heart cry of God's people. And every revival has been led by worshippers. There's been a fresh song that's come in, but that's not the focus. The focus is not going to be on evangelism or missions, although uh, this is one of the mandates that has been given to the church. As essential as this is, and however characteristic of revival this may seem to be, it won't be the prime focus. The focus of this mighty exceeding army, which will impact this generation, will not even be on the enemy. And yet we know that the very gates of hell will not be able to withstand the mighty onslaught of God's army. We know that spiritual warfare is a characteristic of the end-time church, and we all need to learn how to fight in this area. The focus of the army of God, his church, has got to be on his commander, Jesus Christ. Every generation that has seen revival has seen many different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Mighty rushing wind, awesome presence of God, tongues of fire, thundering voice of God, glory cloud, continuous visions, but the one thing that characterizes all true revivals has been they've all been accompanied by a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ and his love for each and every one of us. When we ask for a move of the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is going to come not just to give us gifts and manifestations, but he's going to come primarily to reveal Jesus Christ to us. When I was filled in the, with the Holy Spirit in 1971, I had a revelation of Jesus Christ 
that changed my life. When Pastor Tart went through a time of visitation by the Holy Spirit in India, he had a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. And we need to cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come and fill this place with your presence. Jesus said to the crowds, he said, on the last day, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, in other words, if anyone is dry, let them come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Thus spake he of the Spirit. And I think if you're really honest, most of us will say, hey, flowing out is a few trickles. You know, it's a few drops here and there. It's not the rivers of the Spirit that Jesus spoke about would happen when we are full of the Holy Spirit and we, when we are focused on him. The unifying vision and focus of this mighty, exceeding army, the church, is the revelation and the presence of Jesus. And when we lift up Jesus, he promises that he's going to draw all men to himself. As a body of believers, let's have musicians, we have a measure of his anointing presence. I love the way that we can come in here and the, the worship over the last few weeks, especially there's just been that, that extra sense of the presence of God in this place. But we don't have the fullness that I believe God desires. We need to recognize our condition. We need to respond by crying out to Jesus. Or we need to start speaking to our dry bones. Nothing is impossible to him. He wants to restore and rebuild dry and broken people. He wants to restore a hunger for his word and his voice. He wants to restore fruitfulness. He wants to restore hope and vision. But more than anything else, he wants to restore our focus, our relationship on him.